all Hebrew. Welcome back. It's uh, yeah, it's been a few weeks since I've done a recording, and I'm technically not doing a actual interview for this recording. This is the lost episode, the hidden episode. If you scroll through dbpodcast.org, you would notice that number 32 until now did not exist. But I thought it was pretty timely since it was one I recorded when I was in Texas. Uh, but uh, last year, almost to the day, about a year ago. Um, but first, I wanted to mention we have a new wine club uh, that is uh, now available at decibelwines.com for New Zealand and the U.S. New Zealand will ship four times a year. A couple options for sort of three and six bottle lots. We're going to try to provide you with some of the wines that... Uh, are either library stock or sold out or brand new releases, of course, uh, because now we're with a great distributor now in New Zealand, and they're doing a fantastic job for us. So uh, some of the wines are out there more now, which is exciting, mostly in restaurants, which is why I am working with this great distributor called Mineral now. So really excited to be on their team, and if any of those guys are listening, thank you so much. They're just kicking ass straight out of the gate and doing some awesome things. Um, And to that note, I was in Auckland uh, about a week and a half ago and, yeah, ran into some people that listened to the podcast. And I think I was out in Hawke's Bay. A random server at a restaurant said, Hey, are you you Decibel guy? Are you Decibel dad? Yeah, yes, it is. I listen to the podcast. I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. So it's pretty cool. I think people are out there listening. So to that note... I am trying to start to make a public plea to some of like uh, Hawke's Bay wine growers and the people that are involved in this uh, very scary thing that's going on called the uh, Water Conservation Order, WCO, which has to do with the Naro River and irrigation. And, you know, I have my own thoughts on it. Um, I think that obviously conservation is very important to New Zealand. Uh, but I also don't think that a fish and game people can just come in and just make a legal case to shut everything down without the community being consulted and organized with it. And it seems like that to me that that's the path they've gone. No communication with the community, uh, no, a complete disregard for how it will affect other people, their businesses. And uh, yeah, just sort of going the legal route. Uh, for what seems to be a way to, you know, conserve some areas for their millionaire guys who come in and fish our waters here in New Zealand. So uh, there's probably more complex than that, or it's probably more complex than they certainly have a case, and I'm, I think we're all for it, but uh, the wine growers uh, just want a little more communication, a little more say in how things go out before we uh, completely cripple an industry and uh, give us some time to adjust, I think is all all people are asking. So I'm hoping, I've put a, a couple queries out there to some, some people that are involved in this process. I would love for them to come on and speak in this long long form format to, uh, to state their case and let people know what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of water issues in New Zealand right now. Uh, this is one that doesn't have to take us by surprise and we can do together. So I, I hope they, they, uh, allow us to, to, uh, 
to speak about, you know, to speak. And I, I hope they decide to come on or at least one or two people would decide to come on and, and speak about it and just use this as a format to inform people. It's free. Anybody can listen to it. It's free to do. So I, I hope they, they do it. And it's going to be an ongoing issue. So I think we'll have an opportunity at some stage to speak to an informed person about this. But uh, speaking of water, uh, I thought this was with Texas in the news so much. I mean, there's some really horrible images coming out of Houston. Uh, it just reminded me that I had this episode and the whole, I'd gone through some sort of changes with the, um, with the podcast over the last year, sort of a reboot and a 2.0, but I had this great one in the hole from uh, Kim McPherson, who is, in my opinion, you know, the guy in Texas wine, he's sort of up tucked away in West Texas, up there in Lubbock, uh, the home of Buddy Holly, uh, just an awesome historic place, uh, very, yeah, it just sort of has this old town American feel to it, uh, I'll never forget that drive up from basically Austin up to there, I did it with my buddy Mike Verratti, you'll hear him a little bit on the interview uh, which is, was a, just a ridiculous interview. I thought we were coming in to meet him, and we did have a walk through the winery and saw some of his uh, equipment, and, and, and it was sort of the harvest was just getting off to start there in late August. And he started opening wines and talking, and I was just like, whoa, 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 hold on a sec, man. we got to turn the microphones on because uh, he is full of personality. I hope all the audio is good enough for you guys. Uh, I'm sure Willie... Our uh, little producer will help out with that and make sure it sounds all good. Uh, so thanks in advance to Willie for doing that. And uh, yeah, man, McPherson Wines. Basically, the story was I was at a restaurant in Dallas when I was there for Texom. I saw a Texas Viognier on the wine list. I tried it. It blew my mind. I thought it was understated and beautiful and, you know, just reminded me of the kind of wine that I like to make. And I was completely drawn in straight away. I did some research and found out, you know, not only is this guy a great winemaker, but it's he's been doing some great things for about 40 years with his family, going back to his father, obviously. And he is just such a character. And let me first apologize to his wife, who I know at one stage walked in on the interview and probably had no idea what was going on, but we were in the middle of the tasting room with microphones and, I don't know, about eight or nine wines opened up. And uh, I just spoke to my buddy Mike, who was there recently, and we were just cracking up at what a ridiculous scene that was. But we had a, I don't know, a six-hour drive up to do this interview uh, through the beautiful West Texas, uh, through lots of... Uh, wind wind energy farms which was uh, it's a whole nother topic for texas that we could get into um, but yeah i thought not only was the interview interesting because he's a crazy guy but his wines are, are really interesting he's you know boldly made the decision to not you know go for pinot or cabernet or something that might be an easy sell and he's doing spanish varietals rhone varietals he really loves the rhone varietals uh a bit of montepulciano and things like that and just things that actually just suit his soil their climate uh things that make sense and things that he can make great wines uh you know some of his stuff was just really really top notch i enjoyed all the wines but there was some some real standouts that you'll probably get a sense of during the interview if you guys can keep up um and just another note about texas if you've seen all those images and you're feeling real sad just 
and you want to do something, donate to the Red Cross. No, there's billions of, you know, funds and this and that, you know. From all reports, the Red Cross is really efficient in what they do. They help people, and that money will go to them, and they're always a great cause. Uh, so that's my two cents on that. And, yeah, once again, check out decibelwines.com and click on the Join the Wine Club little thing and, yeah, we'll get you some wine. So here's an interview with Kim McPherson from 2016, almost a year ago to the day when I was in Texas. Cheers. Hello, I'm Norman, Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, Texas. I'm a buddy, Holly. With that's, I, we saw that coming in, and I couldn't believe it. I said, "Well, I haven't done my research well enough, you know." And Texas Tech University as well, right? That's right. And I'm with Kim McPherson here at McPherson Cellars. That's right. And uh, yeah, we're just hanging out in the, the tasting room, the old coil, bottling room, the here. old Coca-Cola Cola plant. Yeah, I mean, this place is rich in history, man. And how long you said? Fourth generation you've been here? Mm. Well, not in this building. Not in this building, but in Texas. Texas. And uh, (coughs) so we've just tasted two great wines and the the Chenin Blanc and the Alberino. And uh, we were talking too much, so I said, we got to turn the microphones on and and get this thing going. Um, And where were we? We were about to taste. We're going to try the famous Pic Poul Blanc. Let's try it, man. Let's let's see what's what's happening here. So... uh, as this. I told you when I first came in, uh, I discovered Kim's Wines at a restaurant outside of Dallas, and I wanted to sort of do a bit of research on Texas wine. I've been hearing some things, and after I tasted his, I think it was your 14 Viognier that yeah. was at that restaurant? Yeah, probably. Uh, and I thought it was balanced and showed restraint, which, you know, can be tough to find sometimes in mm. some of the other states of, of, you know, maybe not the outside of California and Washington <clears throat> and Oregon and maybe New York, though I'm much, I, th- I think places now after doing some learning like Texas and Virginia have a lot more potential than New York does. Well, Vigne loves this state, but these growers have, they haven't found the perfect balance between overcropping and undercropping and you know, because Vigne is one of those grapes that in one year you get great yields and the next year you get, it's like Syrah too. Yeah. They're like, and I don't know what makes it do that, but um, it, it's a great white wine for Texas. There's a lot of wineries that make it now. I probably do 2,000 cases a year of Vigne. The thing I noticed <clears throat> is just in the public, like different from other states I have, is nobody seems to be afraid of it here, like as far as per- people buying it and liking it. They they have finally grown. They can say Viognier now. They yeah. can say it. <laughs> That's a good start. And now, and now it's it's become a, a wonderful alternative to Chardonnay. Yeah. So something a little uh, a little different. <clears throat> this this is a pick pool, and Andy 
Timmons, my one of my best growers, bought this from Tablas Creek Nursery, and these cuttings were not cheap. <laughs> he goes, "Damn, Kim, I could have planted seven acres with what it cost me to do two. Yeah. So what? We're because uh, there's not even a lot of that in the U.S. Would there? No, be? not a lot. I bet you there's less than fifty acres. If I'm going to guess, Maybe. do you know where Tablas some Creek's got it? Uh, there's some in Lodi. Mm. Uh, a woman sent me a, a bottle of her pick pool. Uh, there's some in Paso Robles. That's about all I know of. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, the first thing these growers, what's pick pool? I go, huh, man, it's a cool grape from the Languedoc. <laughs> and uh, we should plant it here because it loves the heat. And it, God, unbelievable producer. You really got to watch this grape. Because it's a crop. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, 15 tons to the acre, just like in the Languedoc. <laughs> So you you got to Andy cuts this back to about eight tons, mm. and it's perfect. Yeah, that's a so, good, good sweet spot to, so, to be. Uh, but here's another grape that you have to train people on. You know, to say, to, it kind of it kind of sounds to say like it a, and to sell it. Pick pool kind of sounds like it fits in Texas. You know, <laughs> I never never thought of it that way. This, I mean, that, this, that's like a. Some wine, though, too. I mean, that's oh, not something oh, you'll find. Love this. Yeah, yeah. But when I was in South Carolina doing my sales trip, uh, Pickpool is like one of the biggest white wines in the summer in South Carolina. They grow it there? No, or? they just sell the heck out of it. Oh, okay. I mean, I'd go, they were, I'd go into these wine shops, and they might have five or six Pickpools. Really? From France. And I go, mm. well, really? They go, oh, yeah, we love Pickpool down there. I'm going, hmm. That's in Charleston, mostly? Charleston, uh, Columbia. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. I was some... blown away by. Anyway, this is really uh, rich and it's got nice uh, sort of texture to it. You know, I kind of feel like you got a lot of different pieces to a puzzle here. I can see why you do. You do a blend too, don't you? We're going to taste the blend. Yeah, okay. That's my famous little Rhone blend. Mm. Lake Capon, the friends. They're all friends. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lake Capon series was was. Uh, <clears throat> Kind of uh, started by the uh, the uh, the Perrin family. They have the little Lavieta farm, the old farm, you know, with the chicken and the rooster, mm. and they're, they're they're like ten bucks. They have a white and a rosé and a and a uh, red. And I said, you know, this is what would grow around here. We ought to. I'm going to just make blends. Plus, you know, blends. I'm a huge blend guy because. This year, I'm going to have more Roussan than Viognier in it, and I'm going to have more Marsan. You can change the blend up yeah, yeah. and try to still keep it, you know, so as a pretty re white. Rewind a sec. What was the first time, like, uh, so you start, when did the winery start? This, this I bought this property in 2007, but I've had my Macpherson label since 98. Uh, and what were you making in 98? Well, we were making Sangiovese. And I did, uh, my dad had Clone 7 Cabernet. The doctor. Yeah. But we don't do Cab anymore. It's too hot. Yep. And he had a Mirasu clone of Sauvignon Blanc, which really, they really didn't want that, that high level of pyrazines in mm, that. Mm. So it was just sort of a white wine, and that's all gone. Mm. I finally, we finally figured out it's just too hot here, and I just started preaching that. And you know, they still say you we can do Cabernet here, but it's no. You'd have to it'd end up harvesting to like thirty-five bricks or something. Well, it, it yeah. just it just doesn't have the 
flavors. Yeah, because you don't get cool cool nights here. Like well, I mean, like now we do, but I mean, down in the '60s, but. It's not like, you know, people come in here and they go, you got cab? And I go, no, go to Napa, man. Yeah. You know, I don't. Yeah. No, totally. You know, I do Mourvedre. Yeah. I do Senso. I do Catignan. That was one of my dad's favorite grapes, Catignan. Mm. Uh, we do uh, uh, those those three and then Sangiovese. Was the they, were the, they were the beast. Uh, the... Yeah, my little brother talked my dad into planting Sangiovese. So did you kind of i mean you had to have some kind of connection to knowing these old world wines to know that they would work here and you've drank them obviously kind well, of growing we up drank a bunch of them but i just figured that man you know the heat yeah and when i was at caprock winery years ago uh tony soder out of he's now in oregon what a great guy i mean he was mr pinot noir he he owned etude and he oh, sold yeah. it and he moved to oregon Good move. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, he, he got out of. He got uh, out at the right time. Yeah, yeah but he uh, he was my consultant along with Robert Craig out of Napa, out there, and you know I learned right then. It's this is not the area for Cabernet. And, I mean, cool. It just we just didn't have it. Yeah. And uh, and I said, so I'm going to change my whole tune of thinking, and we're going to go, you know, Rhone style and Italian stuff and mm. some some Spanish. Uh, I do a Tempranillo. You're going to have a blend. I don't call it Tempranillo. You could, yeah. 78%. But Tempranillo in my book up here, got to have some Morved in it. I use all the Spanish grapes. Grenache, Morved, Catignan. Does it just come out a little thin It or comes something? out uh, angular. Yeah, okay. You know, um, like a lot of these... Uh, inexpensive Tempranillos from Spain, you know. Yeah. And I just, it's that tobacco and kind of a, and I don't like that. Mm. Plus, uh, I've got guys in in wine shops say, Kim, if you bring me another 25 or $30 bottle of Texas Tempranillo, <laughs> I'm not putting it in. Yeah. So La Jarencia was born. Yeah. And La Jarencia is about 14 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I sell out of it every year, but it's a blend. Yeah. Mainly Tempranillo. And so when was that changeover, early 2000s? Or, we started uh, La Jarencia only three years ago. 200 cases, now it's nearly 2,000. Mm. It's, a, it's a big seller. Yeah. Uh, screw top. Gets a little French oak. Uh, not a lot, but this pick pool, though, you know, Yeah, I think we're going to be hitting your buddy over there. For some of these wines, I don't have to. Luckily, I've been getting rid of my wine here in Texas, and I'm gonna take some with me because I got some people I want to pour this stuff for. But that was the thing was after I discovered your wine, I went just I was in the in the restaurant on my phone looking up, and I, I saw all the different stuff you were growing. I said, "Oh, this makes sense to me now because I could get that around my head some more warm, you know, hot climate varietals. You know, it seemed to make sense to me. And it, it was like refreshing to see, oh, he's not trying to hop on the Cabernet train and just... Oh, God. I gave up Cab two years ago. Yeah. You know, that my dad liked Cab, but, you know, he would understand. <laughs> he would so, have, he would see He would fighting. be a happy... He loves Sangiovese, though. Well, actually, my dad, if it was red or something, he'd, he'd drink anything. Just yeah. About, you know. <clears throat> so... Uh, Okay, the next one we're going to try, we're going to try the Marsan. The cardboard grape, as my brother calls it. And I said, screw you. 
I like it. Uh, Andy planted this for me too, two acres. This didn't come from the Tablets Creek. This came out of Washington State. So, but I don't do a lot of it. I use it for blending, but I did make about 350 cases because I like this wine so much. Mm. Uh, this is the same vineyard as the Pick Pool. Oh, yeah, from those two ladies. No, this is from Andy Timmons. Oh, Andy, okay. This is grown about 12 oh, they miles had the Shannon, directly right. west of here. They had the Shannon, that's right. No, they had the, they had the Albarino. Albarino, sorry, man. It's just, you got a lot going on. I'm trying to keep up, you know. We don't use any oak except a little bit in the Reserve Roussant. No oak in these wines. To me, oak in uh, these rones, I think because they're so tropical in nature. Well, I would imagine it would sort of dumb down some of it that just, crisp it, fruit. You know? It doesn't work to me. It's got, it's got enough going on, you know. Yeah, this... Uh, it's okay. We're in a live tasting room here. It's good to see some action. We just have to turn the red hot chili peppers off, you know. <laughs> this has got some real, really incredible texture to it. But we only did... I don't know, 335 cases for my wine. some of that Manuka honey kind of, but almost like a chalkiness on the nose too. Another variety that loves, mm. loves, uh, <clears throat> very rich, loves the heat. Mm. So we use this uh, in the Lake Upon White that I make a true Marsan. And this year, because Vignet was a little light, I'm going to make a French-style Vignet and probably make it 5 or 6% Marsan and 5 or 6% Roussan and Vignet. So Sorry. I'll come closer, Yeah, yeah. child. I know. It's easy, to, it's easy to, to sit back and, uh, and start drinking. But we want to hear you. There's going to be some people uh, well, all over the world that are, uh, want so, to know more about Texas wine, which is another reason why I came here, because it looked like you did a lot of different things. I read briefly about the history but i kind of wanted to hear it from you uh as well but have you what have you seen uh partially with what you've done but also with what's going on in texas wine it seems to be quickly developing from what i can tell uh, well <clears throat> i see a mix of some places i know you're going to walk into the tasting room and they're going to have well we have sweet wine and really sweet wine yeah and then i and then i've poked around and I've seen some other places that look like they're really doing good stuff and they're trying to the dry styles, bit of spinifera and, you know. These, uh, Texas is, I don't know, I think there might be 350 wineries maybe. Most of them are mom and pop. We have the famous tasting room mentality. Yeah. You know, and that, I'm not, I've got a tasting room and you'll, you'll see it in Fredericksburg 4.0. Love the tasting room, love this tasting room, but to me, that's not where the sun sets and rises. Hmm. Restaurants are big for me. I'm, I'm with a wholesaler, and I want to be in other states, <clears throat> and that's a big thing. How me. many other Texas wineries are exporting out of Texas? None. None. Okay, <laughs> I came to the right place then. That's me. Good. <laughs> they, they feel they don't have to. I mean, we sell everything we make out of the tasting room. And, 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 you know, that's great, and they make more money. Mm. Uh, I'm constantly getting bombarded about, you sell your wines too cheap. I say, well, you sell your wines too high. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so 
Oh, I mean, they said that more sun in this taste room ought to be 20, 25 bucks. It's like, no, I don't think so. Mm. I'm trying to get people to enjoy it. I have a very similar attitude with the uh, with wines, and it's frustrating sometimes. To I mean, I understand you got to have your margins and stuff. Yeah, but, I know, but I'm you know I'm I I do all right. Yeah, yeah. you know people. You're growing, and you got I've grown every growing. year. In fact, I run out of at least six to seven wines every year. That's the way you want to do it. Man. And people always wait. Hmm. I mean, even the even my uh, some of my biggest wine retailers, they'll put up a little sign say La Herencia coming soon, or you know, it's like it is what it is. They know that I've got it, but <clears throat> yeah, I'm just not going to throw it out there too young or anything like well, that. Well, just you know, just because they they're out of it. Yeah, you know, it comes. It, 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 we release it and we do it when we do it. It's just that. And we were just in the back um, looking at your production and looked like, uh, oh, I got to admit, I was a little envious of some of the toys you got back there. So, uh, and I work at a pretty pretty good site, but some of the, that bottling line particularly was, like you said, you put it together and pieced it together and tricked it out with some good toys. But uh, I love that line. A few other things, the flotation, that's, that's pretty cool. A lot of guys don't do that. Yeah. But when they find find out that I, we do it here for custom stuff, they go, "Can we do that?" Yeah, it's extra, but yeah, we'll do it because the recovery is so much. You get oh much, gosh, it's like they, night and day, uh, right? What's wonderful about that is that if if we were like this Marsan, we uh, picked that last week, floated it, inoculated it in the same day. Mm. We don't cold. You don't have to cold settle it. Mm-mm. It's actually almost too clear. Yeah. And boom, there you go. Yeah. And so it's from the field to inoculation in, I mean, less than 10 hours. That's crazy. That's so, awesome. And I think that really helps our quality. Mm. Yeah. So people really want to do the flotation. Well, especially with uh, some of the, you know, like your Viognier and then the, um, not the Shannon, I guess it was the second one we had. You could sense that you could go over the top and get them too phenolic. And, uh, you know, that's with some of that lees and some of those solids sitting in there. Um, I'm sure flotation helps with that a bit. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and then, then uh, of course, you know, then we make the kitchen sink. Yeah. Now, that wine gets a little more fining <clears throat> eyes and glass. Sure, and stuff well, like that's that, what you do. You throw the kitchen sink, sink at it. Yeah. You can do it. We got it. We got a, a red that we do like that. It's all, yeah, you'd be surprised what goes in that. But, it, you know, we... That's what we put everything else at, and then we make a kitchen sink red too. Yeah, out of the, out of the, most of my reds are free run only. The okay. press wine we keep separate. We add some back when we feel that. Yeah, could use a little could, might, something. Might yeah. benefit, but most of it. No, we. Uh, That's a great way to be. You know, if you can separate the, the lees barrels and stuff we, like we that. We do hard, a lot of that, press. and then uh, we do the old. My God. Yeah. Love oh, yeah, that. yeah. Sure. Love it. Love it, sure. love it, love so it. So do you do that post-ferment or during the year as No, well? we do that uh, post-fermentation, but we do that on the heavy leaves. Yeah. On the, the reds. On the skins, too? or No, 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 no. We just, after we press it out, we'll okay. rack a wine maybe four or five times. Yeah. And then we'll uh, put it in there with a cloak. You must have a cloak. A cloak. <laughs> a cloak on the wine. Yes. 
and we put uh, that we've got a couple of tanks back there that we have we put staves in mm -hmm. you my cox that's beautiful yeah and that's just red wine i mean that's doc's tribute red and you know that we keep certainly i mean like we'll keep the rhone leaves separate and the italian stuff separate and mm. that's how we in the sangiovese separate remind me when we hit the stop button here to tell you something about because it'll, it'll just get way too into it and get sidetracked but I'll, about uh this thing we do on skins that you oh. might, might want to trial well, good, to, good we, little trick we love to try everything so but, we're very innovative here we're a motorboat i can tell that i was still from the, the back uh those back we're a motorboat in the fact that uh not only that was it was clean which is always a good sign when you're oh, that's walking a through a winemaker. My guys, got to be tidy. Uh, it was tidy. It was clean. And uh, well, it's it's not as clean as we would like it, but it's clean never right is, now. Never but, is, but you know. Speaking uh, of which, when I mean you you said you're doing a bit of custom for somebody right now, but when does your when do you guys really kick in full go here? Oh, we have been. You you are. Oh now. yeah, we've so, done a lot for us, but yeah, that was. Excuse me, Orange Muscat. Tomorrow, like I said, we're doing Cinso for Rosé for uh, us. Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> My little Rhone blend. And I always put the percentages on the back, guys. <clears throat> this is uh, – this actually, this blend, the 15, is 47 Roussan, 21 Viognier, 18 Marsan, 14 Picpool. I didn't have any Grenache Blanc. Well, I did. <laughs> It, you know, this vineyard I get this stuff from, you know, the first two years is white. Last year, pink. <laughs> I go, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we made that into a rosé, and part of my rosé has that Grenache in it. But this year, it was white. We came in, I go, Spencer, don't say anything, don't, don't do anything. But it was beautiful white, so I think we're going to have a, a nice white, and I'm going to make a white Grenache for my wine club, I think. But this is always a blend, and usually the only other one I'd like to have is a Grenache Blanc. Now, I have Grenache Blanc planted. It's a brand-new planting, and I just got maybe three tons off of it. I mean, year. once again, we're not talking about something that you find a lot of in anywhere no, in America. No. So. But this is a big – this wine has really grown for us, too, the – a lot of people like it by the glass. Oh, it's got a lot going on. It'd be great with food, too. And I think those varieties go so well with each other. Everything's doing something different in there, man. There's texture, aromatics, and a bit of spice. I like that spice in It'll there. be more Roussan and Marsan this year, and then Viognier, and then Picpoul and Grenache. Please sit up, Kim. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm relaxing. I should have put you in this chair or something. That's all right. I... Uh, one of these days I'll have like next time I come back in a few years I'll we'll have, have a boom, boom boom mic and it'll be hanging hanging over top and everything. Um, it won't be disastrous because we'll. You know. We're gonna try the ro we're gonna one more wipe and then we're going to a rosé. Hey, thank you. <laughs> See you, my boy. Look at that. He's a good kid. <laughs> <clears throat> I found these sofas out by the dumpster. Mm. I shit you not, and. And I had didn't come from your wife's place. But, no, right. they were behind my, my. This came from a, a tobacco a hookah bar. 
They weren't covered. They looked like shit. And I thought, God, I gotta have those. Mm. Then my wife said, I want those. I said, No, you're not getting them. <laughs> and so I, I had my guy sit on them until I went and got the forklift, and we took them, and I had them all redone. But you had them sit on them, literally just. So sit because there. there was another guy looking at them, and yeah. I said, No, they're mine. <laughs> oh, and there she is, my wife, ladies and gentlemen, Silvana. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> no, honey, you got to come over here and meet these guys. He's, he's a Kiwi, <laughs> by the way, of Philly. Yeah. I got a Kiwi daughter for sure. So, See, uh, now that wine, how much is that wine? $13.99. That's crazy. All day long. $12.99 on special. I'm nuts. I'm crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I tell these growers, I said, you're going to have so many grapes down here, y'all better find a home for all this fruit. Yeah. And you can't sell that for 30 bucks a bottle. Yeah, then you end up sitting on stock, and then they don't want as much fruit okay. the next year. All right, Sylvia, Hi, Daniel. Oh, it's just nice to meet you, you know. It's okay. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I, I wish we would have gone to your restaurant, but, you know, we're only here for one day. So. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it happens that way, you know, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. But Sunday and Tuesday, we're, I mean, Monday we're closed. That's, all our, right. that's our weekend. Next time we come back through Lubbock, Texas, we'll... Uh, the we'll snails, sure. the best in the this city. Lubbock is supposed to have quite a few riders in uh, next Wednesday. I don't know if you're... I'm a winemaker. I just do this on the side. Oh, you, know. you do? Yeah. I like to talk shop with winemakers. Honey, look what you know. we got oh, to drink. Kind of cool. And guess what? We don't save do these. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own label, and then I work for a uh, winery called Paratua as well, oh. uh, both in Hawke's Bay, New Zealand. Uh -huh. And uh, my, my label is called Decibel, which is over there as well. So all tied into the microphones and everything, you know what I mean? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Have that. We're gonna have that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't save one. Everybody goes, You have you have an extensive wine collection. No. No. <laughs> no. I drink I'm pretty <laughs> similar. Because you know it's gonna keep coming anyway. So, you know. When I went to Davis, one Take of my care. best, dearest friends that I met there, he was a viticulturist. He was a viticulture for Chapelet and vineyard manager and all this. His name was Bill Ward. You kinda look like him a little bit. Oh, he's a lucky guy. And yeah. and we'd go to his trailer. He had a double wide. He lived on this property, him and his wife. And he had all these incredible cabs from Napa mm. because all the vineyard guys, they, you know, we. So we pulled out a, you know, back when Camus Reserve was really unbelievable. He goes, drink that. And I said, we're going to drink that. And he goes, let me tell you, Kim, all these wines, two hours later, they're in the toilet. Mm. Drink them. <laughs> And I said, hey, he's right. Yeah, there is something to be said. A wine's meant to be drank, you know what I mean? I mean oh, he didn't I say I mean, this, this one I'm giving you here is a monster, but you should drink it anyway. It's, you know, I would, the only one I suggest with that is to decan it because it'll, it'll do good for you if you can't, if you can't, because oh, it's a bit of a baby. On those, yeah, on those reds like that. You know, then I visited my daughter at Maya Kamas, and she wouldn't even open any of those for us. <laughs> and I said, well, what's the deal? She yeah. goes, Dad, these are 300 bucks. And I can't, but I have some that were open on another tasting. I said, well, let me have those. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I'd always heard about my commas, but I'd never had any because mm. they were too high. They're what Cabernet should be in Napa. 13.8 alcohol, 13.6. They don't sort their fruit. I mean, it's just old school. Yeah. Concrete tanks. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the cab just it was like a French. Yeah, you get a little more of the, you know, 
I think they're so afraid of Robert Parker and his and his. I wouldn't be. He, well, well, he don't like anything green or or tea leaf or any kind of. Which you know, obviously, when it's unripe, it's unripe. That's fine. But a little bit of that cabernet, you know, that's cabernet. Cabernet. Should, that's should what have, I want. Yeah, it should. If Sauvignon have Blanc doesn't have it. It's not Sauvignon Blanc. Exactly. Me. So uh, I think you know. And the other thing is, yeah, it'd be nice if they had some Merlot and some things to blend with it because. You they, know, I don't know how much Merlot they blend. There's not a lot left. A lot of people pull it out. I mean, if you can sell a Cabernet for 100 bucks a bottle, I can understand why. But it'd be nice to get more blends and Cab Franc and things like that, you know. Okay. You had your mind. <clears throat> this has got a little bit of French oak all on the leaves, stirred. Okay, okay. Man, it's incredible. My brother goes, Kim, you ought to do a little and we did. And this, we're not going to make any of this year because I didn't get enough Roussan for myself. But this is another one of those wines that, oh, this is in a lot of restaurants. This is restaurant only, or tasting room. 100% Roussan. And food wine, you know. It's a food wine, and it's so. There's a bit of like um, citrus there, though. Some kind of yeah. this was in the, the only wine I've had in the Spectator that they mentioned. It was with the restaurant chain here in Texas. Drew Hendricks took it to them. And he was a master sommelier. You, you, you know, yeah, might have met him. I met Drew. I think. Yeah, which yeah, one? He's he? him. He's the guy that puts that on with James Tidwell. Oh, yeah, he's like kind of. Yep, yep, yeah. but yep. <clears throat> yeah, they've been him. very good to me. I can't complain. Yeah, well, well they, I mean, Kansas, too, uh, is rude. They got to uh, see that you're fighting a good fight, and uh, if they're going to be based here in Texas, they have to got to support it. We stir the leaves on this, do that. Just a tiny bit of French oak. Yeah, it might be. James Tidwell once said this is the best white wine that he's ever had in Texas, made in Texas. And I said, well... It's okay. <laughs> Probably is, man. I'm telling you, I was immediately turned my head when I tasted your Viognier because I didn't know that those kind of wines were being made here, you know, as far as showing not only restraint but actually varietal characteristics, not overly alcoholic, not overly sweet. Everything was just You're right there. You're not going to find big alcohols here. No. It happen. Mm. Got to pull them off. I don't do that. Mm. 13.8, 13.9, 13.5. I mean, that, that pick pool is only 12.8. That's great. No, we're not, I'm not a big fan of that. Mm. So if you're wanting big alcohol, don't come here, even on the reds. Yep. Uh, I can get all the flavors I want at 23 and a half, 24 tops. Oh, that's good. That's why you, know. you have um, some balance in the wines. So. All right, last. Hey, Andrew, we're going to do the rosé now. Oh, God. See, this was this was a battle with rosés. I mean, I started making dry rosé. Oh yeah, everybody wants the sweetness. Well, well, I mean, like four years ago, I couldn't give it away. And and so you go, God, how come people don't like rosés? Mm. And no, uh, everybody does. God, no <laughs> shit. I'm going to do. 1,200 cases of this. So is that 
you said you made them different in successing years. Well, this the, the 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 last two years always the big base will be Senso. Okay. I put Roll in here too. Roll. Rollo. Roll Vermentino oh, in Italy. Yeah. Roll in the Rhone. Okay. And I like it. I like how that kind of that adds a little spiciness. And this is Grenache. Yeah. Senso Grenache and Roll. It'll be this this year too. So, uh, top 20 rosés in America on Forbes magazine, and it was like a big gold medal winner at the rosé thing in New York City. Uh, I was going to put it in a white burgundy bottle, and I couldn't get burgundy glass. I bottled people because it comes out of Mexico. Oh, because you want a clear glass. Yeah, so I, I said, because we have this clear hawk, and I said, I'll take that. And now I've, I've kept it in there because everybody. Just sort of fits now. Well, my daughter, she goes, Dad, that's like Provence, sort of. I said, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> I, I have to listen to her sometimes, but sometimes I pay heed. So she's she in, she's still in California. She Mike lives Thomas. in Napa. I oh, said in Napa? Her, I'll be in Napa on uh, this weekend, or this coming weekend, I'm doing a. A big Pinot pig roast. I should, I'll give you the info. I would, she you, she need to, you need to get a hold of her. Yeah, she would love it. It's all like industry people, and everybody oh, brings yeah. a Pinot, and we roast a big pig. Where are you going to do that at? Right in Napa proper. It's like a, a house I used to live in. It's a buddy of mine. He's a chef in town. Oh, and i got to tell her yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, she's, 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 she's And her, her fiancé, my new son-in-law, he's a lawyer, liquor lawyer, for Peatman Fogarty there in Napa. Sure. But that's, he was a big lawyer in San Francisco, took a pay cut to do that because that's Better what he wanted to be man. Yeah. He wanted that. Well, I don't blame him. Okay, rosé, true rosé, guys. We do not do saigné, okay? We pick this fruit for rosé. Mm -hmm. How much skin kind? From brownfield to here. Yeah, that's all you need. <clears throat> and that's yeah. it. Enough color. And you get the color. But since so, you're, you know, it's a table grape, France, really. Mm. Big old thick skin. You know, we're going to have a Senso. Because you know what? If they don't drink it, I'm going to drink it. I drank some last night. <laughs> See, I'm the only guy making like a straight Senso. Now everybody wants to make a straight Senso. Mm. So, <laughs> damn. And I've had a Frenchman in here from Provence. I guess it was like four or five months ago. And he wanted to try that Senso. So we opened a bottle for him. And he he went nuts. He goes, this is exactly like we make it. And then I'm like, okay, there's there you go. Where I think, guess we're doing it right, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you're not going to get a lot of big color out of it. No. Well, then it's, again, we get back to phenolics again. It starts getting a little too... Too bitter, and that's not the point of a rosé, is it? No, and I love Senso as a as a rosé base. Mm. I think it was meant to be, but this wine is in a lot of restaurants. That's a big thing with me, and my wholesaler knows that in Texas. That, but you know, we still have this problem with restaurants in this state going, "Yeah, we've tried those Texas wines, and they suck, and they're too expensive." Mm. I said, yeah, but maybe try these, you know. And it's taken me many years to, they'll say, oh, Mac, first, yeah, we'll do that. 
and I'm not just pinning a rose on there. I'm just saying that. No, the they, the, they, uh, the bartender at that place I was that um, that I ordered it. He was like, "Yeah, those guys are legit." And I was like, "Okay." And then I asked around a little. I did my homework a little bit. You know, I don't want to do all the homework on the history because I want to and everything you were making because I wanted to hear it from you. But as far as uh, what was going on here, but you, you know, you got, Daniel, a, you got a good name, man. I can't get any followers. You know, I wanted these young guys, some of them down in the hill country, to let's make these incredible Texas wines, and we'll go. You know, we'll. I want to ask if there was one guy at Texom, and I don't want to say his name here in case there's. Uh, but when we turn the mics off. I want to ask you about him because I think um, from the website and the fact that he was at Texom pouring, I thought maybe this guy. But we haven't been able to reconnect. Uh, but I thought maybe he might be on to something. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have a dog and pony show. You know, we'd be in like 15, 20 states. We do like Napa and Sonoma and going. Probably won't ever happen in my lifetime. Mm. I think if uh, you keep turning the, these people like James Tidwell onto it, he's, somebody like that, that's who you would need uh, to organize. He's been a big fan of mine for a long time. I mean, time. if you get – the thing that you have an advantage of is you have – these big markets here in Houston, Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio, so that there's restaurant buying power. There's, I mean, they support mm -hmm. Napa Wines, Texas. It's, yeah, they it's, do. So, uh, and a few other producers, mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, if you get a few songs together that say, hey, we want to organize a big tasting and we want these producers to be there from, or at least their distributors to come and pour the wines alongside, you know, some Texas wines, then... They had my Carignan on the panel last year at Texas. They called me up and said, we want your Carignan on the Carignan panel. Carignan panel, okay. Yeah, it's quite specific, some of the well, seminars. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And mine was, mm, has very well, actually it doesn't have any oak in it. Mm. And it was very, like, fruit forward, and they were blown away. And these, you know, but every Carignan I had on that thing was from France. It was almost like, God, it was... They were kind of dirty and mm. yeah. There sure. was a few of them that were really cool. Yeah, but I love Carignan. Have you ever heard of that guy Sandlands? That wine? I know Sandlands. Yeah, yeah. I don't he know. Makes I don't know a Carignan. It's like kick ass. Yeah, that's California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. The rosé, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Beautiful little wine. It's well just, done. And now it's actually. Opened up a little more into the strawberries and things like that. It's changing. Uh, it's been a big, you know, big, we do a lot of that mm. uh, for the tasting room and restaurants. The big thing, too, is you got to keep these wines under like 10 bucks to a restaurant because that's really by the glass price. Absolutely. And they, if they, if it's under 10 bucks, they will, they'll put it on there. They'll go through it, man. Well, you go to Austin, I want you to go to Wine Belly. It's the best wine bar in Austin. And you got to get the Shoshito peppers. Wine Belly, I feel like, where was it? was in Austin? Yeah, it's on yeah. Old Torf. I drove by that place, yeah. Yeah, go there. He yeah. does a case of Albarino a week, <laughs> among other things of mine. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's... Well, we're going to pass through there tomorrow, so... We're, you should go there. Yeah. Say hey to Ryan. He's... I will. He's the manager and part owner and... Yeah, he's a great guy. Drives a cafe racer. If there's no Triumph cafe racer out front, he's there, <laughs> zipping around. I t with, yeah, man, you guys but, know uh, how to, you guys know how to do traffic in 
in Texas down that those some of those cities. Yeah, Oof. Austin is. Mm. Austin, Dallas, Houston, it was full on, man. Mm. I'll be happy to get back to New Zealand. Well, now we're going to go to the red route, okay? Done with the whites. Reds and whites, I'm probably about, production-wise, probably about 50-50, okay? Senso made it for the wine club. Uh, then we're going to have the Tricori. Here, I'm going to... Yeah, just you can pass it around. I'm gonna too. pass it around. Y'all are big guys. Yeah, I know, man. We can do this. We're professionals. At least I am. Believe me, I'll be taking these home. <laughs> uh, no woke on this. Oof, love it. I think another wine that uh, you put oak on this thing, I think it would destroy that incredible. Fruit quality. Yeah, well, it's really lifted nose, man. That's jumping out of the glass. Hundred percent senso. Now this, we we hung this fruit to four red. Mm -hmm. Andy Andy cuts the fruit off on this for reds. About five, maybe four and a half, five tons to this. Senso will give you twelve if you let it. Yeah. Well, that's pretty low cropping then. That's explains a lot because that's pretty. Pretty intense. Um, see that French guy saying this is what we drink in the summer in Provence. It's red. Yeah, it's like a lighter, unoaked red, yeah. kind of really aromatic, and can go with a lot of different food. Because you could eat seafood with that. That's why. You Probably. Know? You know. Well, wait till you try the Pinot Noir of Texas, but it's not Pinot Noir. Okay. Andrew's going to grab it. This wine is called Tricolore. My brother and I first made this wine for uh, Josh Wesson in Manhattan. And it's three colors, but it's Senso, Ketagnon, and a little bit of Viognier. Oh, okay. All free run, no oak. This wine, God, I can't, I run out of it. I ran out of it for five months last year. It's huge on the East Coast. This is the... You'll see what the Carignan adds to this and a little bit of Viognier. But this is a little wine we, I created, and it's, I, hell, I can't, can't quit making. I mean, if I quit making that. Yeah, that's almost, I mean, not that it's giant production, but what was the court case? About production? 1,800 cases. Yeah, so. 1,900, nearly 2,000. That's a good spot to be where you're out making those sizes. That's about the limit on that. Hmm. And. Vineyard sites, as far as their relativity to Lubbock, if you looked at the map. Straight south. Straight south. And mm -hmm. 20 miles, how far? Uh, well, actually, though, Andy's got his home vineyard, which is about 12 miles directly west, but uh, 38 miles, Brownfield, Terry County, mm -hmm. 40. So we, we were just driven kind of through that. We kind of came south, southeast. How'd up. you come up here, Old? Uh, we came up from uh, Lake, Ca Lake Canyon, Canyon Lake. Uh, so okay, San Antonio, yeah, yeah, kind of up that way. We kind of they took us a bunch of back roads to connect to the major roads, but we sort of I don't know, it's about five or six different roads we were on. Yeah, up here, yeah. But um, when my daughter, my daughter went to UT, and so we'd go down. We'd always there's only one route I'd go down. 
Yeah, I think just because we're about an hour south of Austin, it took us a bunch of – it was fast, man. We made great time, so we didn't mind. But um, it was uh, – yeah, it was different. I love that little line. You could see it drying out as we came here. You know? Oh, yeah, you're going up. You're, you're, up, you're up about 1,600 feet right now. No, you're you're up here right now. You're up about thirty five hundred feet. Oh, really? Yeah. You came up the Cap Rock. I don't know if you saw that. Um, what? Some of those leveled? No, uh, you came up the cliff and you came up on top of the Cap Rock. I don't know where did you go through San Angelo? Uh, I think we drove by. You, I saw a sign for that, but I don't think we came. I don't through. know how you right what way you came up, but Yellow House Canyon is about fifteen miles. Well, actually, part of it's only about two miles from here. Hmm. Drops down, and you go to parts of Crosby, and over there it goes down about 1,500 feet. Yeah, you're 3,500 feet here, elevation. Hmm. So that'll help. And Helps with color, doesn't it? Elevation. <laughs> I'm 80 miles from New Mexico, if you go hmm. directly west. So uh, I'm closer to Santa Fe than I am to Austin. Ah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> and actually, I'm about the same distance to Taos as to Dallas. And um, I'm going to go ahead and just pour this because that's Senso, and this is yeah, yeah, this yeah. is mainly Senso. This wine, God, you know what? When we made this for Josh. So what do you mean you made it for him? Well, made we made it. a wine called Trey Calloy for him, but it was our label, and he sold it through his shops. Yeah, that's but unique. This is uh, somebody goes. This is like the Texas Pinot Noir, and I go, "Yeah, but it ain't got no Pinot Noir." <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, no oak. It's very fruit forward. <coughs> you could actually chill that. Oh, it's got. Do you do any like stems in that as well? Like <coughs> well, it's all no. It's so called free run. Might have a little. It's we ferment it on the skins, you know, and do mm. that. But we, when we take this wine off, we just free run it oh, off. Maybe it's just one of the varietals or something. It's got a little Catagnon. Yeah, it's got a little bit of that like hint of really nice herbal thing, which would make it probably age really well too. This will always have Carignan in it because of my dad. That was one of his favorite grapes. This is uh, fifty Senso, forty Carignan, ten Viognier. And it'll vary every year, but anyway. I mean, I got to say the Viognier is it's not crushing it like you think it would. It would be no, it's it's really balanced as a there. softening agent. Mm. So it just depends on the year. But mm. we bottle that wine generally in uh, February. Mm. Pretty quick turnaround with yeah. it then, yeah. Yeah. So then your harvest times are kind of middle of August until middle of September or sometimes it goes to the end of September. Last year we we did stuff in the first week in October. Mm. But mainly Tempranillo is the first red. And do you see a lot of vintage variation in this part or is it pretty you guys pretty happy with? It's pretty equal. Pretty equal. Yeah. Uh you don't get like, oh, some years we get a rain and, you know. I mean, we're getting rain now. No, we're, we won't do that one, but we want to do the – where's the La Herencia? All right, grab that and 
Let's do the Lake of Pond Red next, and then we'll do La Jarrence. It's a little heavier, but Lake of Pond, generally five wines, uh, Morved, Carignan, Cinso, uh, Grenache, and Syrah. Yeah, there you go with your own stuff. You yeah. Know. Uh, would love to do some petite Syrah. I've got some of that coming on board with the vineyard down there. So I've got like eight acres of Oh, I think that would do well with um, not, not only the climate, but like you said, the elevation here. Because um, uh, I've had Petite Syrah in, even in Sonoma and Napa, and I sometimes don't think it has much character at all. You know? They, they kind of over-oak a lot of yeah. stuff. They use a lot of oak. This. This is the, uh, the brother of all those wines you had. This one is a blend. Let me see what our percentages is. 34 Merved, 32 Cinso, 14 Carignan, 10 Syrah, 10 Grenache. Okay. So, <laughs> is it a big, giant red wine? No. I'm going to go ahead and pour mine over that. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, that's fine by me. It's a little darker from the Merved. This is in oak for about 12 months. Not a big oak guy. No, I sense that, <laughs> but that's that's a. I think that's a good way to be, especially too if you're trying to. Um, I mean, what's the point of doing all these, uh, being the sort of pioneer with all these different varietals, and then just chucking a whole bunch of oak at it? And can't do that. Yeah. Tony Soder was a big proponent of. You don't need so much oak in your wines. I agree. Yeah, that. Um, that Malbec that I gave you, that's, it's, you know, it's oaks more as a vessel and a little bit of slow microx, but it's all old oak, you know, it's just not trying to put in yeah. tons of new oak or anything. That's plus, a, plus some of these wines have such good acid and structure already that it doesn't matter, you know. I'm you're, sure you get getting great acid, acid. Here. Yeah, you're getting acid, which is something that's. Uh, that's about, mm, I think that's fourteen ninety nine. Thirteen ninety nine. It's crazy, man. Um, sell a lot of the, well. How much did we make of that? I think we did nine hundred twelve cases of that. You know, I do about a thousand each of these of the Lake of Pond series. So uh, reds, you know, they if you're gonna if you're gonna save my reds and you're wasting your time, I make I make them to drink. Mm -hmm. That's great. So that's a big thing with me. If I do, I have a big giant inky red wine. No, actually, the the location wines that we make for TX is probably Dave's least heaviest red wine. Mm. Well, I mean, the other thing uh, people can't see because this is obviously audio recording is that almost everything we've had has been under screw cap, mm -hmm. which uh, I think also suits your style. Uh-oh. It's all right, man. No. Kill it. Oh, my brother, John. John? <laughs> Winemaker John? Listen, let me call you back. I'm doing a blog. What? No. Yeah, it's impressive wines, man. All right, 
That is, my, my little brother. He's quite the character, too. Yeah, I can't imagine. He's won the Golden Bear Award three times in California. That's the most award-winning winery. Mm -hmm. I say, John, what are you doing, fixing the competition or what? Which he's winery a, is that? He's at South Coast in Temecula. Temecula. Okay. The lost area of California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a few wines from there, but not many. Uh, but he makes what, the best in Temecula. What I was saying was, um, you know, the screw cap really suits that fruit oh. forward style, keeps the wines bright, fresh. You know, outside of all the stuff from the production end point of, or the production point of view is that, you know, you know you're they're just going to the wines are going to be exactly what you want them to be when you open them up. They're also going to, you know, there is a style that I am the doing. choir yeah. and you're preaching. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love screw cap. Yeah. I think uh, <clears throat> The more and more you talk to winemakers, the more they love them because it's just. Well, on wines like this, you got to have a screw cap. Mm. And the only other cork I use, I use a Dion cork out of France. Yeah, yeah, the composite. I, yeah. I love those corks. Yeah. And uh, I've never had a problem with those corks. Well, life. yeah, they tend to never have TCA, but um, yeah, if you can get good ones, they're really good. Well, the Dion is what. You G3s. get different permeability out of them. I get. I use a five-year cord. Hmm. Yeah. And they've worked well for me. And, you know, I opened a bottle of uh, – actually, my daughter sent it to me from Articlin. It was uh, a uh, Loire, Loire Valley Sauvignon Blanc. And it had a Dion cork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went, yeah. golly, look at that. Oh, so, I think they're, everything's – it's changing all over, too. I mean, you can imagine why in New Zealand, how hard how hard it is for us to get good cork down there. Yeah, no joke. And we got a guy; he's doing everything he possibly can to get good cork. A Portuguese guy; he's he tests. He's got a few levels of cork. Some at the top where he tests every single cork in these little jars. I mean, he's got an office like this, and they're just he's got these medians in the office, and on top of them are all these plat, uh, glass jars, and he's testing them. And it, as great a guy as he is, and as much as he does, he still get cork failure. It just happens, and it's so frustrating, man. So I gave up on that. I just said, you know, I love screw caps, and I'm not trying to be sexist here, but who drinks about seventy eight? Who buys seventy eight percent of the wine? Man, I'm the choir. You're preaching, man. <laughs> and who loves screw caps? Yeah, women. women and restaurants too. And restaurants. Restaurants love them because <clears throat> they, you know, you pour a quarter of a bottle, half a bottle the night before, and screw that back up, and you get a, a much better seal, and it, you know, it stays mm. better. Plus, the wines they don't fall over as quick when you after you open them. Exactly. So they're great in restaurants. You know, that's that's they. You know, yeah, every, they love that. But women, mm. they love it. So. Plus, I make these reds. I kind of feel like you're onto something here, Ken. Yeah. I'm making these reds because if Chuck Ortman, the great Mr. Chardonnay, they used to call him, down at Meridian in the Central Coast, we went to see him one time with Robert Craig, his friend, and we went down there, and Chuck told me, he goes, Kim, if you can get a woman to drink a second glass, you're you're done. I mean, it's through. You're, you've got it. Mm. And And he's right. He said... Would you have a second glass of that Cabernet of yours? And I said, mm, no, not really. Mm. And he said, well, I'm just telling you. They want a second glass, you've yeah. sold it. That's what I want to do with these reds. Women, if they, God, that's. You're onto it, man. 
I'm telling well, you, it's, I have the I don't same know attitude. if I'm on to it, but I have the same exact attitude, <clears throat> you know. They buy a lot of wine. They do. And they're curating a lot of wine lists and they're selling a lot of wine in restaurants. They are. They're sommeliers <laughs> everywhere like that. Well, it's kind of like if you have a party. Who are you going to invite? All your, your your buddies and your guy friends? Aren't you going to invite like a bunch of women? And then you yeah. know your buddies are going to show up. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. If all the women are there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can probably keep this in your glass. Okay. All right, La Herencia means the heritage or the inheritance, which I've spent here. So uh, this is a wine that came about because my actually my little brother goes, gosh, Kim, you know, you ought to blend all the Spanish grapes together and make a blend. I said, but I want to make it mainly tempering. Yeah, we'll make it, you know, 75, 80% and blend the rest, okay? So I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. So I created La Jarencia. And a new wine I'm going to do this year, just because Andy has a little extra Tempranillo, we're going to make a La Jarencia Rosa. We're going to make a Tempranillo Rosé, only about 350 cases. So this this wine right here, we did 1,600-something uh, cases. This year we'll do 2,000. Have cool. to. I run out of this wine. Uh, it's the darkest probably wine I make. Is this the... The last one we're tasting. Today. You know what? Hey, Andrew, give me a fret. Give me a new one of those. Yeah. Well, I want a new one. I don't know when y'all did that one, but I'm going to do this one. Starting over. Starting over. You got to watch these kids, you know? <laughs> I think Andy's doing great, man. He's... Doing more than Mike, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot better. Mm -hmm. So oak on this? Oak. Yeah, I was gonna say I smell some cinnamon and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it's French oak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a bit of sort of that tobacco. But it's cinnamon. still got that tempranillo mm. tobacco-ish. No, it's still vibrant and Oh, this definitely big a seller, big seller, big yeah. seller wine for us. I got cigar box there, man. That's when good. I'm out of this, people get mad. Mm. Well, that's the one they should be buying, and if any of them putting it a little bit aside, but this really uh, this wine is a uh, uh, I don't know. Um, it's just kind of like a little Spanish, almost like a Crianza or something. You know, mm. it's not. It's a no. It's not big or anything. No, it's, it's not just big. a real clean, fresh finish and it's, too. And that's the way it's going to be. Mm. You you'll say, well, Kim didn't have any big reds. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have, I don't have any big red fruit yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, Andy would. I could get some incredible Morved from him, that he'd cut it down to two or three tons to the acre. But I got to have. I got to have all the Morved he's got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, eventually, eventually, mm -hmm. I'll have some old Carignan vines and some old Morved vines that I can make some big reds out of. But right now, I got to have every drop for just all these blends. Yeah, that's my problem. And I'm not buying Morved from any swinging dick out there. Yeah, I mean I've got like two growers, and that's it because yeah. I know what they do. Mm. So it's not well. Let's buy all the Morved we can, and 
No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, then you end up making some wines. Well, you're not I'm just, that happy I won't with. do that. I'm yeah. just not going to do it. I think so, you're in a, a good sweet spot right now, man. God, this is. I can't believe the. Um, yeah, that. The character on the nose again. Very, uh, you know, the whole lineup has been extremely aromatic. and That's a big thing with yeah, me. Yeah, I Aromatics. Mean, All right, this wine is. It's an old world blend of 78 Tempranillo, 8 Grenache, 7 Morved, 4 Carignan, and 3 Syrah. Now, Syrah's not native to Spain, but the rest of them boys are. Mm. So, I love, uh, and, and it's the biggest textured wine I have. Who's growing the Syrah? Uh, Pat Brennan. Ah. Oh. Comanche. Is that? Uh, Pat Brennan's my partner at 4.0 in Fredericksburg, our tasting room. So is there Brennan Wines, the same yeah. guy? Or Brennan Vineyard yeah, that's or him, something? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I saw, the, I saw those bottles in a couple shops because yeah. that's my last name, obviously. So, Well, now, I, we make cousin. some of the wines for him, mm-hmm. uh, but some of the, mainly he makes those in Comanche. Great guy. Where's Comanche? <clears throat> well, you could go through Comanche. If you go down to Abilene and cut down, you go through Comanche, and then you take 16 right into Fredericksburg. Oh, yeah. You could go that route mm-hmm. and go by his winery. He's got a pretty little winery. Uh, he's from Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, right downtown Charleston. He grew up. Well, there's a lot of Brennans in Charleston because there's like a Brennan. Uh, yeah, there's some owners. Because I, I, well, they're probably kin to him. Yeah. He's the mayor, you know, the longest-running mayor of Charleston, that guy, Joe Raleigh or Joe... Riley, that's Pat's best friend. <laughs> mm. Pat, Pat's an old nephrologist, kidney doctor out of Fort Worth. Good guy. Went to the Citadel. The Citadel. Oh. <laughs> serious. Back before they let women in. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That place is pretty serious, man. Anyway, La Herencia, my wife will do, because she usually, I was doing wines for her with her label, Ladiosa. But I've cut back on that because she just wants to do mine. She'll go through, she'll go through a case of that a week, easily case and a half by the glance. It's good having that right across the street. A couple of venues around here for you. Well, she she'd better. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Her sangria though statewide, and Republic's really jumped on that. Yeah. And uh, it's it's good sangria. Uh, because we make it right here. You know, you, you met Drew Hendricks? Uh, yep. Okay, yep. Drew was the master sommelier for the Pappas family. Pappas Steakhouse, mm-hmm. Papa C. Oh, yeah, yeah, we went there. Papa Do's. I poured these wines that you had. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Drew was the master sommelier and the wine guy for the Pappas family. So he comes to me and he goes, Kim, we got to have a sangria for Papa C. Do's. I said, why? And he said, well, we're making it. In house at every one of them, and every one of them suck because yes. they're different. Yeah, they're different. Yeah. So I said, Drew, really? And he goes, Yeah. And I want to make a make one up with you. We're going to put it in the screw cap. We'll do the label. I did that for two and a half years. Unbelievable. And I go, Drew, I got a master sommelier in my lab, and I'm doing all these wines. He goes, Kim, it's all about the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he still says that today. Uh, bartenders, they loved him. And then they got in this big chef, and he decided to do everything fresh again in-house, and uh, they cut it out. Mm. 
but it was almost a million, well, it was a little over a million dollars through their bottom line every year, the screw cap sangria. That's great. And Drew goes, come on, he goes, and we did it right there. Drew would fly in from Houston when we'd make it and help us blend it up. And every, the formula was the same every year. But it was so funny. Then the Dallas Morning News put this thing, I was the sangria king. I was like, God damn. Yeah, yeah. That's a- <laughs> My wife and that. And so, yeah, we can make sangria, but. Put a little fun side project. Well, you, you do that to. You got to pay the bills. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? I love it, man. I, I mean, I love this little wine for the. Hmm. How much is this? 14 bucks. Jesus. Twelve ninety nine at Market Street on sale. Special. Save $2. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay, now we're going to have the. This is the wine that. For years, for two, maybe three years, I had to brown bag this wine in restaurants around the state because they wouldn't they wouldn't buy it. But when they found out what it was, they always thought it was an Italian wine. And it's the old Sangiovese and Daryl Cordy, you know the Cordy brothers in Sacramento? I don't. Well, he's doesn't. like, look him up. He's like the first Dean in DeLuca type thing. Oh, I mean, okay. he's huge. He's yeah. an icon in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my dad, Sangiovese. It's an Antonori clone. This is a Brunello in a Chianti style. Does that make any sense? Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's... Uh, it's a little un-oaked and... It, it's, well, it's got a little oak. It's, no, it's oak, but not a lot of oak, uh-huh. but it's... It's 100% Sangiovese, but it's got this acidity to it, mm. like a Chianti. And, you know, you're not going to get giant color ever, but you're going to get this incredible old-world Sangiovese. Been making this since 1985. His vines are, uh, well, they were planted in 84. 85. No, this isn't in 85. This is a... No, no, I mean, but you've been making it since 85. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Super bright. Very lifted. The biggest, that's our biggest, that's my flagship red. And people, I don't ever enter that in competitions. I don't ever, I sell... How many cases are on that front label? 1250. Yeah, see, I ran out. God. Again, only 13 and 8 alcohol. We're going to do, yeah, that's it. That's great. Uh, Sangiovese is a. There's a lot of spice there, too, you know? Like, I think that's one of our best little reds. We don't, we're not going to put jumbo color to that. Uh, it does see oak, French oak. But it doesn't get like tons of new oak because mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, cheers, man. Salute. We haven't even toasted yet. Well, guys, thanks for coming by. Great lineup. Well, man. I just got this email and I go, 
hey, this guy tasted your wine. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said he's in from New Zealand and what? I don't know. <laughs> what? Who? Where? Why? I said, I fine. I mean, I'm, I'm all about showing my wines off, but uh, I really appreciate you guys coming by, but. I appreciate you opening so many. Great oh no 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 no! no. I'll I'll take these home, give them to my guys. They'll they won't go to waste. No, good good good. So, send your vase. Yeah, Daryl Cordy goes. Kim, you need to send that to Italy and to the San Giovese Symposium. Now, I have a a buddy in New Mexico who's an Italian named Paolo Andrea, and every now and then, I'll get like four or five tons. But he has a Brunello clone. Bigger berry. Mm. My dad's are small berry, because, and a bigger berry, and I'll get some from him just for shits and giggles, to throw in this to make it, I don't know, just add something different, but mainly this is uh, my dad's, Sagmore. To the doctor, man. It's uh, got a little Christmas to it, so. Oh, well, great wines, man. I think, uh, man, I feel like we just blew through an hour and almost 10 minutes. And uh, you go, how much is that wine? Like, it's like 16 bucks. Oh, it's a big jump, man. That's the reserve, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. People get mad. <laughs> hey, you know what? God damn. No. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let you try this DBS. Come bring the DBS, Andrew. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of it, but God, people love the shit out of it. I don't know why, but it's Dolcetto Barbera Sangiovese. And it's got a tiny bit of Rafosco in it, but I didn't put that on the label. But I, I, I find this wine, I don't know, it's it's either, it's like the, the little girl with the curl. Mm -hmm. Either she's a bitch or it's kind of good. You know what I mean? It's got this uh, kind of a spicy thing to it, but this is a this is an Italian. Paulo Paulo just rants about this, and I said, "God, Paulo, I don't know." Well, it definitely reminds me. I see what you're saying about Italian because it's got that uh, real dark nose, you know. But it's got a. F I don't know. It's just sort of weird nose to me but it came out and I mean, God, people are going to have the dbs again going to oh, it's, it man. is i would uh, what is that that's that it's kind of got that dark, nebula dark, you know brown edge to it it's that cola bean it's like cola bean yeah lay i like coca-cola yeah maybe it's from this the, we're in the old coca-cola i don't plant. know but i mean that's a wine thing like i we have i've have i've made wines like that's that, a geeky you know? wine yeah that people kind of mm. Like, you can make another DBS. No, I have that wine about every every two years. <laughs> if you can believe that. You go. I see why. Well, that's it. Well, man, I think we're going to cut it there. Okay. I mean, we just went through a pretty good lineup. Of wines. Well, you wanted to go through them, and we by did. God, you did. I'm telling I you. I did. I uh, I feel like uh, I probably had some. More, I think we got through a lot of questions though, because I, I feel like I could have more. But um, I don't know what else you need from me. But I, I don't need anything. I think that um, you know, 
again, more than anything, just why I'm here is because you seem to be fighting the good fight for, for making good wines in Texas. Trying, you know? man. I am trying. Sometimes and, uh, I'm crying. And it's very, very refreshing to taste so many good wines made in Texas. And, uh, hey, man, I'll spread the word. I'm going to be telling people about these wines. And, uh, well, anything, we're not going to do – I don't do Malbec. That's okay. I won't hold that against you. Well, I just don't think – I mean, Andy has some Malbec planted for another winery. Yeah. He'd pull it out tomorrow if he could. It's a bit messy, that grape. It, it does that year-on-year year off thing It doesn't well. work too well. And I, I mean, the one thing uh, you would have is elevation, but I, th- I would think Argentina would be cooler. A lot of the oh, it's windows, co- well, it's 5,000 feet, and it's yeah, cooler there. Yeah, so that's a, mis- a bit of a misconception that it's like a hot grape. It's not. I mean, we, we ripen it really well in Hawks Bay, and we're cool you know we're like bordeaux without the heat spike you know mm-hmm. so we're kind of uh, like argentina i guess yeah yeah we we tend to get a really long growing season but we just don't we're not up in those elevations so uh that's a monster though that 2112 that you'll taste that at some point the uh the five grapes in andy would grow the best grower i think up here his number one is morved Number two is Carignan. Number three is Senso. Number four is Sangiovese. Number five, Tempranillo. And those are five grapes from Texas. I not only never have, but wouldn't even known grew here until I got here. So those are the best growing grapes here. That's been now. There's a couple of guys that grow multiple Chiano. That okay. That do a really good job with it. But then they go down state, and I don't know what happens down there. Yeah. They- Probably add a bit of sugar or something so, like that. But anyway, we're going to go back downstate and, uh, yeah. Where are you going to go down there? We're going to go to Austin tomorrow, back to Austin. I was there last week for a bit, but Mike hasn't been there yet. So we're going to cruise through there. And we got a buddy who's a bit of a local musician, legend kind of dude. So we're going to. What's his name? Uh, he's a friend of another musician of mine. So I don't even remember his well, name. Well, you know, Joe point. Ely's from Lubbock. So. Uh, down there. And yesterday we had a crazy experience. Uh, we ran into, uh, we went and grabbed a steak in this town called Green. 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 Green, Texas. Okay. Let's see. Green, uh, Texas. I was walking out. We we're walking out of the restaurant. The Green. It was about music six hall. o'clock, and there was the music hall there. Yeah. And I said, I know that guy's voice. Some this guy singing blues and ripping guitar. So I know this guy. I walked up to the bar and I said, Is that Mike Zito playing back there? And he said. Yeah, yeah, he's, like, he's great. He's here till nine o'clock. I, I couldn't believe it. I'd never seen him live, but I know his music from the radio show, the uh, Sirius XM show that mm-hmm. I listened to, and I've heard him interviewed half a dozen times. And he's got this very distinctive voice. And after a set, I went up and told him, I said, "Man, you know, because I, I, I've been on the same radio show talking about my wines on Sirius XM, and oh, but, really? Yeah, but I, but I listened to the show as well." So I've heard him on there, and so, and I know the producer, and he knows the producer. So we were, and he said, "So you just walked by and heard me?" And I said, "He said that's crazy, man! I can't believe it." And I said, "He said where are you from?" I said, "New Zealand." <laughs> said, that's even crazier. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing here? We make and, wine for the Green Mansion there. Oh man, I'll tell you that that was like a, that was like an old roadhouse scene they were doing. Oh, that's yesterday. one. That's that one was, of the oldest dance was, halls in Texas. He was killing it man that, they had a great yeah. band the vibe was awesome people were dancing you, you know, know the flatlanders you ever heard of the flatlanders no no jimmy dale gilmore butch hancock joe ely so you got some good music here in the god state. they're gonna well lubbock's yeah and they all go to austin yeah yeah they you know, we got a bunch of musicians here yeah but uh 
You should look those guys up. Jimmy Dale's got that weird voice. Yeah. He's got this kind of twangy voice. But Oh, he has this, yeah, he has this real kind of good throaty, bluesy voice. But it was just funny. One of those, like a Texas experience I would never forget, you know. I just said, <laughs> At the green what are the chance? Dance, uh, yeah. Green dance hall, that's yeah, it. Yeah, little yeah. beer bar, yeah. wooden floor. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, that you know, thing's been there since the 30s. It looks like it, yeah. you know, but it's got such, I mean, you can feel the history in that place, you know. There's a lot of guys that have played there and recorded there. So. Yeah, it has that big stage, and it's, yeah, it was cool, man. It was a good experience. So it's been, a, I'd say, you know, that and, and what we've tasted today has really made for a great few days. And uh, Cut your thing off, and look, I'm going to tell you where to go in Fredericksburg. All right, man. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Okay, there you have it. Uh, should have warned you it was a bit long. And um, yeah, we opened a lot of wines. You hear at the end there, he's like, yeah, go get another one. Go get another one. What a great guy. We had such a fun day that day. I uh, wish I could. I feel like I could hang in Lubbock for a while and just disappear. Maybe I'll go do a vintage there someday. Uh, not sure my family would love it in Lubbock, Texas, though, my Italian partner. It's a bit of a different world there, but again, awesome wines. Thanks to Kim for doing it. Sorry it took me a year to release it, but uh, I'm going to put it all out there now and give you all the support I can, buddy. Uh, take care. Don't forget decibelwines.com for Kim's information. He's real easy to find online, just mcphersonsellers.com. He's got a store. All the wines are up there. The wines are really affordable. Uh, I, I highly suggest you check it out. And uh, coming to the U.S. soon. Be there uh, the 9th through the 22nd. Lots of events, including three different events in Philly, two in the city, one out on the main line. Just go to decimalwines.com for all the info and send us an email if you want to attend. Take care, guys. Cheers. or something it's got a little bit of, yeah it's got a little bit of that like hint of really nice herbal thing which would make it probably age really well too this will always have carignan in it because of my dad that was one of his favorite grapes this is uh 50 senso 40 carignan 10 vignette and it'll vary every year but anyway 
I mean, I got to say the Viognier is it's not crushing it like you think it would. It would be no, it's, it's really mainly balanced as a there. softening agent. Mm. So it just depends on the year. But mm. we bottle that wine generally in uh, February. Mm. Pretty quick turnaround with yeah. it then, yeah. Yeah. So then your harvest times are kind of middle of August until middle of September, or sometimes it goes to the end of September. Last year we we did stuff in the first week in October, mm. but mainly Tempranillo is the first red. And do you see a lot of vintage variation in this part, or is it pretty? You guys pretty happy with? It's pretty equal. Pretty equal. Yeah. Uh, you don't get like oh some years we get a rain and you know I mean, we're getting rain now no we we won't do that one but we want to do the where's the La Herencia? all right grab that and let's do the Lake Upon Red next and then we'll do La Herencia. it's a little heavier but Lake Upon generally five wines uh, Morved, Carignan, Cinso, uh, Grenache, and Syrah. Yeah, there you go with your own stuff. You yeah. Know. Uh, would love to do some petite Syrah. I've got some of that coming on board with the vineyard down there. So I've got like eight acres of Oh, I think that would do well with um, not, not only the climate, but like you said, the elevation here. Because um, uh, I've had petite Syrah in, even in Sonoma and Napa, and I sometimes don't think it has much character at all. You know? They, they kind of over-oak a lot of yeah. stuff. They use a lot of oak. This, this is the uh, the brother of all those wines you had. This one is a blend. Let me see what our percentages is. 34 Merved, 32 Senso, 14 Carignan, 10 Syrah, 10 Grenache. Okay. So <laughs> is it a big, giant red wine? No. I'm going to go ahead and pour mine over that. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, that's fine by me. It's a little darker from the Morved. This is in oak for about 12 months. Not a big oak guy. No, I sense that. <laughs> but that's, that's a, I think that's a good way to be, especially too, if you're trying to, um, I mean, what's the point of doing all these uh, being the sort of pioneer with all these different varietals and then just chucking a whole bunch of oak at it. and Can't do that. Tony know. Soder was a big proponent of you don't need so much oak in your wines. I agree. Yeah, that um, that Malbec that I gave you, that's, it's you know, it's oaks more as a vessel and a little bit of slow microx, but it's all old oak, you know. It's just not trying to put in yeah. tons of new oak or anything. Plus, That's a, plus, some of these wines have such good acid and structure already that it doesn't matter. You know, you're I'm get, sure you're, you're getting, getting great acid. acid. Here. Yeah, you're getting acid, which is something that's. Uh, that's about. Mm, I think that's fourteen ninety nine, thirteen ninety nine. It's crazy, man. Uh, sell a lot of the, well. How much did we make of that? I think we did nine hundred twelve cases of that. You know, I do about a thousand each of these of the Lake of Pond series. So, uh, reds, you know, they 
if you're gonna if you're gonna save my reds and you're wasting your time, I make I make them to drink. Mm-hmm. That's great. So that's a big thing with me. If I do, I have a big giant inky red wine. No, actually the the location wines that we make for TX is probably Dave's least heaviest red wine. Mm. Well, I mean, the other thing uh, people can't see because this is obviously audio recording is that almost everything we've had has been under screw cap, mm -hmm. which uh, I think also <laughs> suits your style. Uh-oh. Sorry, man. No. Kill it. It's my brother, John. John? <laughs> Winemaker John? Listen, let me call you back. I'm doing a blog. What? No. Yeah, it's impressive wines, man. All right. Adios. Bye. My little brother. He's quite the character, too. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> He's won the Golden Bear Award three times in California. That's the most award-winning winery. Mm -hmm. I say, John, what are you doing, fixing the competition or what? Which he's winery is that? He's at South Coast in Temecula. Temecula. Okay. The lost area of California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a few wines from there, but not many. Uh, but he what, makes the best in Temecula. What I was saying was, um, you know, the screw cap really suits that fruit forward style, keeps the wines bright, fresh. You know, outside of all the stuff from the production end point of, or the production point of view is that, you know, you know you're, they're just going to, the wines are going to be exactly what you want them to be when you open them up. They're also going to, you know, there is a style that I am the doing. choir yeah. and you're preaching. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love screw cap. Yeah. I think uh, <clears throat> the more and more you talk to winemakers, the more they love them because it's just. Well, on wines like this, you got to have a screw cap. Hmm. And the only other cork I use, I use a Dion cork out of France. Yeah, yeah, the composite. I, yeah. I love those corks. Yeah. And uh, I've never had a problem with those corks. Well, yeah, they tend to never have TCA, but, um, yeah, if you can get good ones, they're really good. Well, the Dion is what You G3's, get different permeability out of them. I, get, I use a five-year cork. Hmm. Yeah. And they've worked well for me. And, you know, I opened a bottle of uh, – Actually, my daughter sent it to me from Articlin. It was a, a, a Loire, Loire Valley Sauvignon Blanc. And it had a Dion cork. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I went, yeah. golly, look at that. Oh, so, I think they're, everything's it's changing all over, too. I mean, you can imagine why in New Zealand, how hard, how hard it is for us to get good cork down there. Yeah, no joke. And we got a guy, he's doing everything he possibly can to get – Good cork, a Portuguese guy. He's he tests. He's got a few levels of cork. Some at the top where he tests every single cork in these little jars. I mean, he's got an office like this, and they're just. He's got these medians in the office, and on top of them are all these plat, uh, glass jars, and he's testing them. And it, as great a guy as he is, and as much as he does, he still get cork failure. It right. just happens, and it's so frustrating, man. So I gave up on that. I just said, you know, I love screw caps. And I'm not trying to be sexist here, but who drinks about 78? Who buys 78% of the wine? Man, I'm the choir. You're preaching, man. <laughs> <laughs> and who loves screw caps? Yeah, women. women. And restaurants, too. And restaurants. Restaurants love them because <clears throat> they, you know, you pour a quarter of a bottle, half a bottle the night before and screw that back up. 
and you get a, pr- a much better seal and it pr- you know it stays mm. better plus the wines they don't fall over as quick when you after you open them exactly so they're great in restaurants you know that's that's they you know yeah every- they love that but women mm. they love it so plus i make these reds i kind of feel like you're onto something here kim yeah. i'm making these reds <laughs> because if chuck ortman the great mr chardonnay they used to call him down at meridian in the central coast we went to see him one time with Robert Craig, his friend, and we went down there, and Chuck told me, he goes, Kim, if you can get a woman to drink a second glass, you're you're done. I mean, it's through. You're, you've got it. Mm. And and he's right. He said, would you have a second glass of that Cabernet of yours? And I said, mm, no, not really. Mm. And he said, well, I'm just telling you. They want a second glass? You've yeah. sold it. That's what I want to do with these reds. Women, if they... God, that's you're onto it, man. I'm telling well, you, it's, I, have the I don't same know if attitude. I'm onto it, but I have the same exact attitude, <clears throat> you know. They buy a lot of wine, they do, and they're curating a lot of wine lists and they're selling a lot of wine in restaurants. They are, they're sommeliers <laughs> everywhere, like that. Well, it's kind of like if you have a party. How are you going to invite all your, your, your buddies and your guy friends? Aren't you going to invite like a bunch of women and then you know your buddies are going to show up? You oh, know, yeah, yeah. If all the women are there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can probably keep this in your glass. Okay. All right, La Herencia means the heritage or the inheritance, which I've spent here. So uh, this is a wine that came about because my actually my little brother goes, gosh, Kim, you know, you ought to blend all the Spanish grapes together and make a blend. I said, but I want to make it mainly temporary. Yeah, we'll make it, you know, 75, 80% and blend the rest, okay? So I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. So I created La Herencia. And a new wine I'm going to do this year, just because Andy has a little extra Tempranillo, we're going to make a La Herencia Rosa. We're going to make a Tempranillo Rosé, only about 350 cases. So this, this wine right here, we did 1,600-something uh, cases. This year, we'll do 2,000. Have cool. to. I run out of this wine. Uh, it's the darkest, probably, wine I make. Is this the, the last one we're tasting? You know what? Hey, Andrew, give me a, fret. Give me a new one of those. Yeah. I, I want a new one. I don't know when y'all did that one, but I'm going to do this one. Starting over. Starting over. You got to watch these kids, you know? (laughs) I think Andy's doing great, man. He's he's doing more than Mike, you know? (laughs) That's a lot better. Mm -hmm. So oak on this? Oak. Yeah, I was going to say, I smell some cinnamon and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it's French oak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit of, sort of tobacco. But it's cinnamon. still got that Tempranillo mm. tobacco-ish. No, it's still vibrant. And, oh, this definitely big cigar. seller, big seller, big yeah. seller wine for us. I got cigar box there, man. That's when great. I'm out of this, people get mad. Mm. Well, that's the one they should be buying, and if any of them putting it a little bit aside, but... This really, uh, this wine is a uh, uh, I don't know um, 
it's just kind of like a little Spanish, almost like a Crianza or something. You know, mm. it's not. It's a. No, it's not big or anything. No, it's too. not it's big. It's just a real clean, fresh finish, and it's, too. And that's the way it's going to be. Mm. You, you'll say, well, Kim didn't have any big reds. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have I don't have any big red fruit yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, Andy would – I could get some incredible Morved from him that he'd cut it down to two or three tons to the acre, but I got to have I got to have all the Morved he's got. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually, eventually, mm-hmm. I'll have some old Carignan vines and some old Morved vines that I can make some big reds out of. But right now, I got to have every drop for just all these blends. Yeah, that's my problem. And I'm not buying Morved from any swinging dick out there. Yeah, I mean I've got like two growers, and that's it because yeah. I know what they do. Mm. So it's not well. Let's buy all the Morved we can and. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, then you end up making some wine. Well, I'm just, I won't with. do that. I'm yeah. just not going to do it. I think so, you're in a, a good sweet spot right now, man. God, this is. I can't believe the. Um, yeah, that. The character on the nose again. Very, uh, you know, the whole lineup has been extremely aromatic. and. That's a big thing with yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, aromatics. All right, this wine is. It's an old world blend of 78 Tempranillo, eight Grenache, seven Morved, four Carignan, and three Syrah. Now, Syrah's not native to Spain, but the rest of them boys are. Mm. So, I love, uh, and, and it's the biggest textured wine I have. Who's growing the Syrah? Uh, Pat Brennan. Ah. Comanche. Is that? Uh, Pat Brennan's my partner at 4.0 in Fredericksburg, our tasting room. So is there Brennan Wines, the same yeah. guy? Or Brennan Vineyard yeah, or him. something? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I saw, the, I saw those bottles in a couple shops because yeah. that's my last name, obviously. So. Well, now, I, we make cousin. some of the wines for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the, mainly he makes those in Comanche. Great guy. Where's Comanche? <clears throat> well, you could go through Comanche. If you go down to Abilene and cut down... You go through Comanche, and then you take 16 right into Fredericksburg. Oh, yeah. You could go that route mm-hmm. and go by his winery. He's got a pretty little winery. Uh, he's from Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, right downtown Charleston. He grew up. Well, there's a lot of Brennans in Charleston because there's like a Brennan. Uh, yeah, there's some owners. To, cause I, well, I, they're probably kin to him. Yeah. He's the mayor, you know, the longest-running mayor of Charleston, that guy, Joe Raleigh or Joe... Riley, that's Pat's best friend. Mm. Pat, Pat's an old nephrologist, kidney doctor out of Fort Worth. Good guy. Went to the Citadel. The Citadel. Oh. <laughs> serious. Back before they let women in. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That place is pretty serious, man. Anyway, La Herencia, my wife will do, because she usually, I was doing wines for her with her label, La Diosa. But I've cut back on that because she just wants to do mine. She'll go through, she'll go through a case of that a week, easily case and a half by the glass. It's good having that right across the street. A couple of venues around here for you. Well, she she'd better. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Her sangria though statewide, and Republic's really jumped on that. Yeah. And uh, it's it's good sangria. Uh, because we make it right here. You know, you, you met Drew Hendricks? Uh, yep. Okay, yep. Drew 
was the master sommelier for the Pappas family. Pappas Steakhouse, mm-hmm. Papa C. Oh, yeah, yeah, we went there. Papa Do's. I poured these wines that you had. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Drew was the master sommelier and the wine guy for the Pappas family. So he comes to me and he goes, Kim, we got to have a sangria for Papa C. Do's. I said, why? And he said, well, we're making it in-house at every one of them, and every one of them suck because yes. they're different. Yeah, they're different. Yeah. So I said, Drew, really? And he goes, yeah, and I want to make a make one up with you. We're going to put it in the screw cap. We'll do the label. I did that for two and a half years. Unbelievable. And I go, Drew, I got a master sommelier in my lab, and I'm doing all these wines. He goes, Kim, it's all about the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he still says that today. Uh, bartenders, they loved it. And then they got in this big chef, and he decided to do everything fresh again in-house, and uh, they cut it out. Mm. But it was almost a million, well, it was a little over a million dollars to their bottom line every year, with the screw cap sangria. That's great. And Drew goes, come on, he goes, and we did it right there. Drew would fly in from Houston when we'd make it and help us blend it up. And every, the formula was the same every year. But it was so funny. Then the Dallas Morning News put this thing, I was the sangria king. I was like, God damn. Yeah, yeah. That's a- My wife and that. And so, yeah, we can make sangria, but. Put a little fun side product. Well, you, you do that. To, you got to pay the bills. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? I love it, man. I, I mean, I love this little wine for the. How much is this? Fourteen bucks. Jesus. Twelve ninety nine at Market Street on sale. Special. Save two dollars. <laughs> what What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay, now we're going to have the. This is the wine that, for years, for two maybe three years, I had to brown bag this wine in restaurants around the state. Because they wouldn't, they wouldn't buy it. But when they found out what it was, they always thought it was an Italian wine. And it's the old Sangiovese. And Daryl Cordy, you know the Cordy brothers in Sacramento. I don't. Well, he's doesn't. like, look him up. He's like the first Dean in Deluca type thing. Oh, I mean, okay. they're, he's huge. He's yeah. an icon in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my dad, Sangiovese. It's an Antonori clone. This is a Brunello in a Chianti style. Does that make any sense? Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's uh, it's a little unoaked, and it, it's well, it's got a little oak. It's no, it's oak, but not a lot of oak. Uh-huh. But it's it's a hundred percent Sangiovese, but it's got this acidity to it, mm. like a Chianti. And, you know, you're not going to get giant color ever, but you're going to get this incredible old-world Sangiovese. Been making this since 1985. His vines are, uh, well, they were planted in 84. 85? No, this isn't in 85. This is a... No, no, I mean, but you've been making it since 85. Mm. Oh yeah. Super bright, very 
lifted and the biggest that's our biggest that's my flagship red and people i don't ever enter that in competitions i don't ever i sell <clears throat> how many cases are on that front label 12.50 yeah see i ran out God. again only 13 and 8 alcohol we're gonna do yeah that's it great uh sangiovese is a a lot of spice there too you know I think that's one of our best little reds. We don't. We're not going to put jumbo color to that. Uh, it does see oak, French oak, but it doesn't get like tons of new oak because mm -hmm. I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, cheers, man. Salute. We haven't even toasted yet. When, Guys, thanks for coming by. Great lineup. Well, man. I just got this email, and I go, hey, this guy tasted your wine, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said he's in from New Zealand, and what? I don't know. <laughs> what? Who? Where? What? I said, I fine. I mean, I'm I'm all about showing my wines off, but uh, I really appreciate you guys coming by. But I appreciate you opening so many great Oh, no, 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 no. Us, no. I'll, I'll take these home, give them to my guys. They'll, they won't go to waste. No, good, good, good. So, send you vase. Yeah, Daryl Cordy goes, Kim, you need to send that to Italy and to the San Giovese Symposium. Now, I have a, a buddy in New Mexico who's an Italian named Paolo Andrea. And every now and then, I'll get like four or five tons, but he has a Brunello clone. Bigger berry. Mm. My dad's are small berry and a bigger berry. And I'll get some from him just for shits and giggles to throw in this to make it, I don't know, just add something different. But mainly this is uh, my dad's. Sagmore. To the doctor, man. It's uh, got a little Christmas to it. So. Oh, well, great wines, man. I think, uh, man, I feel like we just blew through an hour and almost 10 minutes and uh you know how much is that wine like it's like 16 bucks oh it's a big jump man that's the reserve <laughs> you know <laughs> i know i know people get mad <laughs> hey you know what god damn no i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna let you try this dbs come bring the dbs andrew <laughs> i'm not a big fan of it but God, people love the shit out of it. I don't know why, but it's Dolcetto Barbera Sangiovese. And it's got a tiny bit of Rafosco in it, but I didn't put that on the label. But I, I, I find this wine, I don't know, it's it's either, it's like the the little girl with the curl. Mm -hmm. Either she's a bitch or <laughs> it's kind of good. You know what I mean? It's got this uh, kind of a spicy thing to it, but this is a this is an Italian. Paulo Paulo just rants about this, and I said, "God, Paulo, I don't know." Well, it definitely reminds me. I see what you're saying about Italian because it's got that uh, real dark nose, you know. But it's got a f I don't know. It's just sort of weird nose to me. But it came out and. I mean, God, people are going to have the DBS again. Going to, 
Oh, it's, it man. is. I would. Oh, what is that? That's that. It's kind of got that dark, nib dark, yellow you know brown edge to it. It's that cola bean. It's like cola bean. Yeah, Leia, like Coca Cola. Yeah, maybe it's from this. The, we're in the old Coca Cola. I don't plant. know, but I mean that's a wine thing. Like I, we have, I've have, I've made wines. Like that's that, a geeky you know? wine. Yeah, that people kind of mm. they, they, you can make another DBS. Mm, no, I have that wine about every every two years. <laughs> if you can believe that, you go. I see why. Well, that's it. Well, man, I think we're going to cut it there. Okay. I mean, we just went through a pretty good lineup. <laughs> well, you wanted to go through them, and we by did. God, you did. I'm telling I you. I did. Uh, I feel like uh, I probably had some more. I think we got through a lot of questions, though, because uh, I feel like I could have more. But um, I don't know what else you need from me. But, I, I don't uh, need anything. I think that, um, you know, Again, more than anything, just why I'm here is because you seem to be fighting the good fight for for making good wines in Texas. Trying, you know? man, I am trying. Sometimes and, uh, I'm crying, and it's very, very refreshing to taste so many good wines made in Texas. And uh, hey, man, I'll spread the word. I'm going to be telling people about these wines. And uh, well, anything, we're not going to do. I don't do Malbec. That's okay. I won't hold that against you. Well, I just don't think. I mean, Andy has some Malbec planted for another winery. Yeah. He'd pull it out tomorrow if he could. It's a bit messy, that grape. It, it does that year on year off thing. It as doesn't well. work too well. And I, I mean, the one thing uh, you would have is elevation, but I, th I would think Argentina would be cooler. A lot of those. Oh, it's windows, well, it's five thousand feet, and it's yeah, cooler there. Yeah. So that's a miss, a bit of a misconception that it's like a hot grape. It's not. I mean, we we ripen it really well in Hawks Bay, and we're cool. Cool. You know, we're like Bordeaux without the heat spike, you know. Mm -hmm. So we're uh, kind of like Argentina, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We we tend to get a really long growing season. But we just don't, we're not up in those elevations. So uh, that's a monster, though, that 2112 that you'll taste that at some point. The uh, the five grapes in Andy would grow the best grower, I think, up here. His number one is Morved. Number two is Carignan. Number three is Cinso. Number four is Sangiovese. Number five, Tempranillo. And those are five grapes from Texas. I not only never had, but wouldn't even know grew here until I got here. So those are the best growing grapes here. That's been now. There's a couple of guys that grow multiple Chiano. That okay. That do a really good job with it. But then they go down state, and I don't know what happens down there. Yeah. They Probably add a bit of sugar or something so, like that. But anyway, we're gonna go back downstate and uh, yeah. Where are you gonna of, go down there? We're gonna go to Austin tomorrow. Back to Austin. I was there last week for a bit, but Mike hasn't been there yet. So we're gonna cruise through there, and we got a buddy who's a bit of a local musician legend kind of dude. So we're gonna. What's his name? Uh, he's a friend of another musician of mine. So I don't even remember his well, name. Well, you know, Joe Ely's from Lubbock. So uh, down there. And yesterday we had a crazy experience. Uh, we ran into, uh, we went and grabbed a steak in this town called Green. 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 Green, Texas. Okay. Let's say it. And, green, uh, Texas. I was walking out. We we're walking out of the restaurant. The Green. It was about music six o'clock, and there was the music hall there. Yeah. And I said, I know that guy's voice. Some this guy singing blues and ripping guitar. So I know this guy. I walked up to the bar and I said, Is that Mike Zito playing back there? And he said. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's great. He's here till 9 o'clock. I, I couldn't believe it. I'd never seen him live. 
but I know his music from the radio show, the uh, Sirius XM show that mm -hmm. I listened to, and I've heard him interviewed half a dozen times. And he's got this very distinctive voice. And after a set, I went up and told him, I said, man, you know, because I've, I've, I've been on the same radio show talking about my wines on Sirius XM. And, oh, but, really? Yeah, but I, but I listened to the show as well. So I've heard him on there, and so, and I know the producer, and he knows the producer. So we were, and he said, so you just walked by and heard me, and I said, he said that's crazy, man, I can't believe it. And I said, he said, where are you from? I said, New Zealand. <laughs> said, that's even crazier. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing here? We make and, wine for the Green Mansion there. Oh man, I'll tell you that that was like a, that was like an old roadhouse scene they were doing. Oh, that's yesterday. one. That's that one was, of the oldest dance was, halls in Texas. He was killing it man that, they had a great yeah. band the vibe was awesome people were dancing you, you know, know the flatlanders you ever heard of the flatlanders no no jimmy dale gilmore butch hancock joe ely so you got some good music here in the god state. they're gonna well lubbock's yeah and they all go to austin yeah yeah they you know, we got a bunch of musicians here yeah but uh you should look those guys up jimmy dale's got that weird voice yeah He's got this kind of twangy voice, but oh, he has this yeah, he has this real kind of good throaty bluesy voice. But it was just funny, one of those like a Texas experience I would never forget. You know, I just said <laughs> at the green what are the chance? dance, uh, yeah. green dance hall. That's yeah. it, a little yeah. beer bar, and yeah. wooden floor, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Uh, that you know, thing's been there since the '30s. It looks like it, yeah, you know. But it's got such. I mean, you can feel the history in that place. You know, there's a lot of guys that have played there and recorded there. Yeah, it has that big stage, and it's yeah, it was cool, man. It was a good experience. So it's been a, I'd say you know that, and and what we've tasted today is really made for a great few days. And uh, cut your thing off, and look, I'm going to tell you where to go in Fredericksburg. All right, man. All right. <laughs> thanks, Kim. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Okay, there you have it. Uh, should have warned you it was a bit long. And um, yeah, we opened a lot of wines. You hear at the end there, he's like, yeah, go get another one. Go get another one. What a great guy. We had such a fun day that day. I wish I could. I feel like I could hang in Lubbock for a while and just disappear. Maybe I'll go do a vintage there someday. Uh, not sure my family would love it in Lubbock, Texas, though, my Italian partner. It's a bit of a different world there, but again, awesome wines. Thanks to Kim for doing it. Sorry it took me a year to release it, but uh, I'm going to put it all out there now and give you all the support I can, buddy. Uh, take care. Don't forget decimalwines.com for Kim's information. He's real easy to find online, just McPhersonSellers.com. He's got a store. All the wines are up there. The wines are really affordable. Uh, I, I highly suggest you check it out. And uh, coming to the U.S. soon. Be there uh, the 9th through the 22nd. Lots of events, including three different events in Philly, two in the city, one out on the main line. Just go to decimalwines.com for all the info and send us an email if you want to attend. Take care, guys. Cheers. <laughs>